Yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also chaos outside because we're trying to make a beef Wellington. Oh, <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, sounds tough. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Atcast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your vampire cosmonaut, Soup. And I'm your banished party member from the Heroes Party, Renu. <laughs> this week, at stands for absolute territory because we'll be sampling the fall 2021 season. But before Yee. we get into that, what have you been up to? I uh, went to Portland, as you know, for a convention. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, it was absolutely lovely. I would say, out of all of the conventions that I've been to, in the United States, uh, it is the one that has had the most helpful staff. Oh, um, that's nice. Yes, they were extremely kind and very eager to help with whatever. Um, they checked mm-hmm. in often. Um, they weren't like so, like you know, so quote unquote helpful that they were like bothersome or anything. They just right, yeah, it yeah. was like the right amount of like. Do you need something? Do you want us to like watch your table? Do you, if you need supplies, we've got some like emergency like ties and and like uh you know uh tools and things like that if you need something for your setup, you know that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was it was great, and um, I got to table next to um some friends of mine, so that's always fun, and uh. Yeah, the sales were were quite good, I'd say. Um people were being, you know, super safe, you know, social distancing and sanitizing and all that. Um It's good. It's good. Yeah, and uh the and I think as a result, there was never really any moment at least for my table where it felt like people were like super packed, there was like a line, there was like clogging or whatever. It was just like a a steady flow of customers throughout the convention, which was oh. really nice. So you weren't like there wasn't a moment where you were super bored and there wasn't a moment where you were too busy, you know? Um, so yeah, it was, I, I had a great time. Um, and, uh, I got to eat some good food. We went to a Thai place the first night and then the second night, uh, we took one of your ramen recommendations and that was yeah. super good. Good, yeah. good. I'm glad. I, I really yeah, like yeah. that place. Um, yeah, I like it too. It was like, casual and there wasn't like a line there wasn't a, a wait or anything so we could just walk mm-hmm. in but the food was really good you know yeah so yeah nice it yeah it's a it's a nice little spot um one mm-hmm. definitely one of my favorite like just go to ramen places um mm-hmm. they like hand make their noodles and it's nice yeah yeah you can taste the difference and the the meat was good the broth was delicious um mm-hmm. there was like a little bit of like extra spice that i couldn't really identify but it was good mm-hmm um, it was kind of different from other ramen that I've had. Mm. Yeah, did you have uh, w- which one did you have? Um, I'm trying to remember. I had a, a, the miso ramen, but it was one of their like specials or whatever. Um, I don't remember which one it was on the menu. Um, let's see, I went to Ramen Ryoma, by the way, for people listening. So if you go to Portland, yes. yeah. 
um, definitely, hit them up definitely. because they are they're very good. Um, because the Thai place that we went to before the night before was, um, of course, good, but uh, the wait was like so long. Oh and, no! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like outdoor seating, of course. There was no indoor seating, and mm-hmm. uh, you had to bust your own tables and everything. Um, basically, they would only bring the food out to you, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the ramen place, you know, it, it was like a normal restaurant essentially. But you know, the, sure. the tables yeah. were more spread out. Yeah, yeah. Let me see what what's their menu. Um, 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 um. Maybe I had the uh, the Ryoma ramen, mm. deluxe Ryoma ramen. I think I usually got either the um, killer spicy. Which is very <laughs> you would um, right, um, or I would get um, just any anything with like black garlic is always like delicious. Mm-hmm. I think okay. the, the miso too, the spicy miso. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at the pictures and I want to go back again. Oh, it's so good! It's so, <laughs> it's good. so good. I really, I, I honestly, I, I miss mm-hmm. it down here. Um, yeah. Obviously, uh, it's one of those things where um, whenever you move, you have to like find the the new new hotness you know the new places around you to, to <laughs> and uh-huh. um i'm i'm happy to report that a lot of the uh a lot of the ramen places we've gone to um around here have been pretty pretty good there's like a really decent one uh very close by and mm. um that's where we've been uh snacking getting our ramen snacking. fix and <laughs> i'm pretty happy with it um mm. yeah yeah so that that's good did you go to any of the other places that that i recommend or just the ramen one um, it was just the ramen one because we didn't. I'm trying to remember. I think on Sunday we didn't have time to go dinner because I had to fly out, um, like around five or something like that. So basically, I packed up at the convention and then left immediately for my flight. Um, and then for lunch we had to basically get whatever we could that was nearby because you know we were in the middle of the convention. So <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But hmm, hopefully, cool. I'll be able to go back at some point because yeah, totally. You have to try the other places. Yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. I recommended to you because yeah. um, there's like three, there's like three really big like uh spots that I would visit uh whenever I would go uh up mm. to Oregon uh, up to mm-hmm. Portland and um it's the definitely the wrecks that I I gave you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. If you guys right, ever cool. go to Portland, hit Soupy up because <laughs> yeah, just they have just, recommendations. Uh, just let, let me know. Let me know. Yeah. I'll give I'll give you the deets. Yeah, the big deets. I'll give you the lowdowns. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what are you up to? Um. Yeah. Uh, it has been quite some time since we've recorded. Uh, <laughs> like two two ish weeks. Two two maybe three actually. Now that I think about mm-hmm. it. Um, since I have uh, been down to L.A. and back, uh, I went for uh, a trip for my anniversary, and um, uh. we went to go see a podcast. Uh, we went to go see the Chaluminati podcast, which uh, <gasps> oh, I fun. love them. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't yeah. know you. That's so funny. I didn't know you listened to them. I love them. <laughs> They're yeah, so fun. I went, yeah, yeah, I went to go see the the Chaluminati podcast live, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was very delightful. Um, that was a super fun thing. Yeah, uh, like uh, it was like the perfect size venue where like you know it's not too big, it's not too too small, so like yeah. you, you kind of feel like um. You know, it, it is an event. Um, yeah. But, you know, obviously it's not so big that uh, the the guys couldn't just, like, hang around after and, like, you know, um, meet the fans and stuff. Um, oh, that's it's, good. Yeah. It's actually, it's it's really funny because um, there's, like, one, like, kind of big complaint I have about that podcast, which is that I listen to it a lot in the car, and it's not balanced for the car 
really. Oh, really? So it's like <laughs> quiet, right? It's like too quiet. So oh, I have no. to crank the volume all the way up. Um, yeah. And um, sometimes uh, Google is just way, way louder, right? Um, uh. Which is, you know, uh, not honestly the worst complaint. I think otherwise, like that, the podcast is is definitely one of my favorites. It's definitely like the only podcast I really listen to um, anymore. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> it's... It, but that kind of spawned into like a running joke where um, I would complain about the audio balancing because um, like sometimes uh, it's not like um, the problem is that they uh, sometimes it's like too quiet. But then sometimes someone like it's really loud and it's like too loud. So like the balancing is like a little like off. It's not like equalized properly. Um, oh. And I, 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 it sucks to like complain about the podcast that I went to go see because I, I do love it. Right. But um, um, it, <laughs> it, it, it became a running joke where um uh, I should just offer to edit their podcast for them. Um, uh, <laughs> it's just constructive criticism, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it is funny though because they they hung around. I did get to to give some of them my business card, um, which oh! I have. I had a bunch made for um, events in um, in 2020 to to use, and you know what happened there. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Nothing basically. happened. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was allowed to happen anymore for quite a long time. So these business cards have just been kind of sitting um, in my closet gathering dust. But, you know. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I did that. I, I went down to L.A. I had a lot of tasty food. Um, L.A. is such, nice. a, such a good place to go if you, if you want to eat food. Like, not to say mm-hmm. that there's not good food up here, because there absolutely is. But mm-hmm. um, I think um, when it comes to just the sheer variety and amount of, like, really good places, like... Yeah, I mean, you're going to L.A. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a, a gathering hub for diverse food and also good food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was super fun. Um, we got to hang mm-hmm. out with a bunch of uh, friends down there. Um, we stayed a couple nights at a hotel, a couple nights at a friend of mine's place. And yeah, uh, we, we overall had a very good time. Then we drove back up and, and, and then we had a Halloween party. <laughs> So yeah, you dressed as Majima. Yeah, yeah I dressed as Majima. Um, I, I went for for the old, old Yakuza Zero Majima uh, with we his, do love his that. suit and bow tie. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, so that was that was delightful. My hair was not cooperating that day, though. No, oh, it's okay. Yeah, you had the okay. Majima vibe. I had the vibes going. I had the vibes going, and that's yeah. all that matters. All right. Yeah. <laughs> That's more or less what I've been up to. Uh, yeah. Other than that, just been working, living, um, streaming. Uh, we That's have good. made it through mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, and yeah, um, the second case. <laughs> I honestly, I'm looking as I like the second case, but I am very much looking forward to the first like proper case of the game where they give you an investigation scene and then they give you um, the case trial, trial scene. Yeah, right? me too. Mm-hmm. Um, because normally, like, uh, case two is really where you get into it. But case two in Grace A's Attorney Chronicles is more like a um, showcase for the other mechanic in the game, which was um, the, the great deductions. Um, the dancing. The dancing, <laughs> which, is, which was actually, like, super, super fun. It was fun, um, yeah. <laughs> and I liked that they, like, really kind of leaned into the Sherlock holmes e aspect of, um, of the game by just having the investigation. And that's, like, that's it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was fun. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really looking forward to the the case because we haven't even met the prosecutor, uh, like the main yeah. prosecutor of the case of the game yep. yet, and mm-hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> 
You mean it's not Winston Payne's ancestor for the rest of the game? <laughs> oh my god, that would be that would sure be something. No, he doesn't exist anymore. He he got his top knot cut. He's he's a disgraced man. Oh, so he doesn't we're never facing off with him again? I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think the rest of the cases we do are in Britain. Oh, I guess that makes sense. But he could fly or no, sail over. He can't fly in this right. time era yet. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um so, uh shall we talk about this this uh season uh yeah, this season's anime. Yes. Um <laughs> So, uh as as we said last time we did one of these, um it's going to be a uh a, a 0.5 episode and it's going to be we're going to not focus as much on the stuff that we're definitely going to keep watching um just for the sake of time and uh you know, repeating ourselves, but um that's just the new format. So, here we go. Woo. First, um, we I I don't know how, but I completely forgot that we didn't watch uh, Comey Can't Communicate, but um, that looks pretty cute. Um, it's a, a cute sort of like slice of life gag comedy um, where the central gag is the uh, the main character or one of the main characters is like the female lead is just woefully socially inadequate and cannot talk to people or make friends, but she's very pretty, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's a that's really good. really well done manga. Um and the I, the anime looks really well produced. The anime too. also looks good at least from like the previews that we've seen. Hopefully that that is the case for the rest of the show, but Right. Um it's also on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Netflix. That's why yeah. we didn't catch mm-hmm. it initially um, right. because yeah. uh we always forget about the the stuff that's on Netflix. But yeah. I think Co- I think both Komi-san and uh Blue Period are releasing weekly, so we should be able to check that out, and if it catches mm-hmm. our attention enough, we might just keep watching it as like a. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It it seems like a nice like wind down piece, honestly. Um, yeah. Like last season when we were watching um, all of the uh, To Your Eternity stuff and all of the like really intense uh, shows we were watching, um, we would always cool off with like Maid Dragon. So, you know, <laughs> it's good to have a cool down show. Yes, for sure. we do need a cool down show. <laughs> But speaking of, let's talk about mm-hmm. Blue Period, which yeah. um, is a manga that we love dearly. We've definitely talked about it on on the show before. Um, how did you feel about this? So for me, I mean, the manga is basically its own little masterpiece. And I agree. Yes. Uh, it's very much structured to be a manga. You know what I mean? Kind of like how Junji Ito's works are very much structured to be manga. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Blue Period is very... Um, the format informs the story and, and the story informs the format. So as an anime, I'm like kind of 50-50 on it. On one hand, I like that it's an anime because we get voice acting, we get music, we get moving visuals and things like that. But also... uh it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of budget that was or either budget or time that was allotted for this anime. And so Uh to me, it doesn't feel like a very quality anime to watch. Um, I, I kind of, I I agree. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, I'm not saying that it's not worth watching. If you don't really read manga and you want to experience Blue Period, definitely experience the anime because it's still it still tells the story well. Um, I would just say that if you want the most quote unquote optimal way of experiencing the story, uh, I would say probably yeah, read yeah. the manga. I think the thing to me is that it is very hard to uh, and there's a um, 
there's a very real case to be made here about the uh, the way that uh, adaptation works because, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, right now, kind of the new hotness to talk about uh, is uh, Netflix's live-action Cowboy Bebop, right? Um, oh, mm-hmm. All of their promotional material has been basically shot-for-shot recreations of the anime and mm-hmm. shot-for-shot recreations of the opening. And, mm-hmm. like, that doesn't sell people on the show because you're just... showing people why animation is like an objectively superior medium to tell this story right Mm. if you're not doing anything um new or like unique to the medium um it feels a lot blander right and Mm. i think blue period kind of falls in that space where um like obviously when you have an anime adaptation you have the advantage of music you have the advantage of voice acting right Mm -hmm. all of that stuff but um, the thing about Blue Period is that it's such an intensely visual experience. Um, mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that the anime is bad necessarily. Um, it no. does feel like... I wouldn't even say it feels like bad or, 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 or uh, not well-directed or no, no, uh, no, rushed no, or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it looks fairly average for an anime. It feels average, yes. And... That has to compare to what I think is like one of maybe the best manga ever drawn, right? Yes, like, yes, yes. We're talking about different magnitudes of of uh, of a thing here, where like the merits of the manga just overshadow whatever the anime could be, and you know, uh-huh. it's kind of a shame because you know, on one hand, it's like uh, about how adaptation is. Um, is is an imperfect sort of um, process, and you're always going to have to lose something or make decisions about something that is going to change the way that people experience that that piece of media. And mm-hmm. Blue Period is so good because it's about somebody learning how to do art. And one of the coolest things that I think the manga does is um, when you're learning about it through the the lens of the main character. Um, you begin to be able to see the composition of the manga itself. So the manga is literally teaching you how to read it, but completely diegetically. And yes. that is just ridiculously it cool. It is mind-blowingly cool, yes, as, as right? an artist, but also as a reader. Like they, uh, you, they you teach get to you learn about at the, the same pace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, like they teach you about the like uh, perspective shots, right? How to build a mm-hmm. perspective shot. And then they have this like wide perspective shot to demonstrate it for you, yes, right? Yes. And like it is very clearly drawn by somebody who has very intimate knowledge of um the process of uh mm-hmm. like getting into art school and like being in art school and what it means yeah. to be a creative person. Mm-hmm. And it is something that will resonate I think with any 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 creator, right? Because mm-hmm. um it really delves into like what does it mean to to make things creatively and what does it mean to um, engage with that and how can we do that? How can we express ourselves in a way that is meaningful and um, makes sense to others or like if that is even valuable to begin with, right? Yeah, like- I, I think it so wonderfully breaks the creative process down, not just, you know, painting or drawing in gen- and like, but I'm like the creative process in general, right? Um, and I was talking, and one of the points they actually bring up in this series that I've been talking with about uh, about with my artist friends is the difference between skill and talent, right? And they yeah, put this yeah, out in totally. the very first episode of this anime is that um, artists and creators in general don't necessarily enjoy talking 
or being referred to as being talented. And that's not to say right, that we don't exactly. like the compliment. Um, it's that it makes it sound as if we were born with this technique or we were born with this magical way of producing art. Mm-hmm. And while people are born, of course, and have different experiences that mold their interests, it kind of overrides the fact that it is a skill that is slowly built up over time. Um, totally, yeah. And so it makes it sound like if you are interested in art and you didn't start when you were like three years old, there's no way that you can learn art or um, if that you're just born with an interest in art or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, then you can never be an artist. You can never learn how to draw. Um, and so the series breaks it down in such a way that if you're even mildly interested in art or the creative process in general, it will show you like how you can like gather the building blocks and start moving up from there. It just starts with basically an interest. And so in the main character's case, he was interested in portraying the scene of the city in the early morning where it looked blue. And mm-hmm. he tried to portray it as best he could, but he ran into limitations um, because he didn't necessarily know all the techniques and yada, yada, yada to like really enhance the piece. Right. But he was able to create something and that felt amazing to him. Um, and I feel like that's such a staple, like that's like step one of the creative process that um, mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't really recognize is that you have to start at step one and then right. you can build up from there. It's not just a magical thing where you just done, suddenly are painting wonderful cityscapes from day one. Yeah, totally. Like, I, I think that that's like a thing to me, right, is that I love Blue Period because it is a story about somebody who got a late start relatively, yeah, right, yep. in art mm-hmm. and has to grapple both with um, not having the the basic sort of tools that everybody else has because they've been doing it for longer, but also mm-hmm. measuring yourself up to your peers and what yeah. they're doing and it's mm-hmm. and how crushing that can be. And like, yes, basically how much art like making art can make you feel like like you're nothing like you are a, a, a worthless speck of dust you're hollow inside there's there's just nothing for you right <laughs> but you can't but, give it up because you just right, exactly. you, have, you have that like intense interest or mm-hmm. passion or whatever you just are hung up on it and you keep pushing forward right with and it, it yeah, and and it shows you that like art is like there is talent in art right mm-hmm. um, there oh, is natural talent yeah. there is and, actual talent yeah um, but it is obviously like uh, very much up to a person to nurture that and turn it into something that is, um, you know, uh, usable. Right. It's mm-hmm. one thing to be like have like be born with like really good hand eye coordination. But it's it's another thing entirely to be able to draw. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I love Blue Period. Um, I think that the thing about the music, um, I like the choice of music a lot because it's yeah. a lot of these like kind of funky, jazzy piano riffs. Um, <laughs> It uh-huh. feels very reminiscent of um, the uh, era of of art that is like kind of like the the like you know um, the abstract like Pablo Picasso right like Blue Period is literally named after Picasso's Blue Period right so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's cool that the music is evocative of of that sort of era and I think it works really well with the show I wish honestly that the anime would would take some more risks about how they. Uh, utilize yeah. the visual language yeah um, for sure because i think it really could have been something like extremely special in its own right mm-hmm. um if they had just decided to uh 
you know, do something with it, right? And there's yeah. kind of glimpses of that, like in the first episode when he's like painting the the uh, blue Shibuya skyline for the first time, and he's like, you know, going like woo, and he's like flying through the the sort of blue space. I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we probably will not actually keep watching this, no. but um, <laughs> if you're interested in the story and um, you uh, aren't really much of a manga person, I would highly mm-hmm. recommend watching yes. this. Yeah. Um, absolute endorsement from me. Um, mm-hmm. But if you're a manga person, absolutely read the manga. Just, yes. like, <laughs> the manga is so fucking good. Yes, I cannot, yes, yes. I cannot yes. overstate how good this manga is. It's yes. actually bonkers. <laughs> like it, it has a, it, it has a really like cool, unique, very like grounded feeling art style mm-hmm. and also feels just technically incredible to to yeah. witness. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> let's talk about Platinum End, which is um <laughs> so it is yeah, this is uh written by Sugumi Oba and Taka- and uh drawn by Takashi Obata, the original manga was. Um so basically it's like Death Note but different because that's that's basically what like what this this team does, right? They yeah. make um they either make like a semi autobiography um yes. in in Bakuman or they just yes. do like uh death games, right? The 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 supernatural death game with like lots of rules and and yes, intelligent correct. plot twists you're, and all that. If you're reading <laughs> the latest arc of Jujutsu Kaisen, um it's basically just that but the whole thing. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. it is, this show is so act- actually buck fucking wild because like <laughs> Death Note is pretty, is pretty like wild, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, Where yeah, like, yeah. you know, um, a, <laughs> uh, a genius psychopath, um, serial killer high school student gets his hands on a book that makes him think he's God because he can kill people, <laughs> right? And then he plays mind games with the police who are trying to catch him, right? But this show is like, um... Is it takes a totally different angle, but is just way more fucking wild with with all the shit that's happening. Because it's just like you know, here is here is an angel who has come to you because you are uh, attempting suicide because your life sucks so bad because your uh, aunt and uncle killed your parents for insurance money, right? Mm-hmm. And then they didn't tell you and you didn't know, so your life just blows, right? And mm-hmm. Then this angel comes down to you and it's just like, here, I can make your life better by um, giving you the ability to fly. That's just yes. one. That's just one. Straight up. Here's some that's wings. One. You can fly now. Yes, you can fly now. And then here is um, a, a magical bow and arrow, which you can use to make people fall in love with you or to yes. just love you very intensely. Um, and he's just like, wait, isn't that kind of like fucked up? And she's just like, you could kill your, your family with this. You could kill your abusive aunt and by uncle the, with By this. the way, here's the truth about what happened to your parents. And then she just spills it all. <laughs> right. She's just like, oh, yeah, by the way, this happens. Um, Doesn't that make you just want to go ape shit? Right? And, <laughs> and what's, like, absolutely wild about this is after the this horrifying sequence where um, he uses it on her aunt to get the truth, uh, or uh, he uses the arrow on his aunt to get the truth, and um, she's just like, oh... It it's true. My husband orchestrated this whole plan, and then um, he's just like, "Oh my god, you're scum! You should die!" And then she just fucking stabs herself and and dies, which yes. is horrific, right? Yes. But after that, she's just like, "Oh, by the way, here's another arrow. It just kills people." Like, <laughs> it's so funny to have just like this. Like, yeah, this is basically mind control, and like 
we're framing it in a, in the way that you know that it's evil and wrong to mind control people to fall in love mm-hmm, with you this mm-hmm. this deeply. Also, here's an arrow that just kills people. It's it just kills people. Yeah. Yeah. Like here's your instant <laughs> kill button. Wasn't okay. This was all like the first episode. One episode. We watched one episode. Oh my god, that's cr- okay. So, but but at the end of the first episode, not only did all of this happen, right? At the very end, you find out that they're in that they're in this death game, but there's also other people that have been granted a similar situation or powers right, or exactly. whatever because they're all candidates to become God. To become <laughs> God, yes. So basically, it's a death game to become God. And yeah. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I I don't feel like I want to continue watching this, but it's so out there and so wild, and it plays it so straight, like. I yeah. think like this is one of the things that people like don't really understand about Death Note where um Death Note is really good. Like it's great. Mm-hmm. Right? It is it is a classic of of the genre. Um mm-hmm. it is a classic anime/manga sort of piece. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that people kind of don't get that um it's meant to be a little like tongue in cheek, right? It's it's meant to be ridiculous. Right? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> and I have I have no idea if Oba and Obata know if it's supposed to be ridiculous, but they, like, really crank that dial all the way up yeah, to the point yeah. where it's just actually amazing. It is a yeah. just an, a disastrous spectacle waiting to happen yes. in a way that is actually kind of just perfect, right? I'm, it, I'm, <laughs> like, Death Note I, is I like so over-dramatized. It. Yes, I like that this one doesn't take itself to like at least i mean from from our understanding it's of hard it, to say it, it it takes itself seriously but also does it really though because it's it, so ridiculous <laughs> it takes itself so seriously that i think it like bleeds over into not taking itself seriously it's kind of taking yeah. the piss yeah that's that's how i feel about it um but yeah, I think whether you watch the anime or read the manga, they're both good. Obviously, the manga has the benefit of having Obata's art, which is mm-hmm. even more stellar that, good. as, as yeah. time has gone on. Yeah, it's really, really pretty. Um, and uh, the anime doesn't do a bad job. I don't think it is quite as, at least so far, it hasn't been quite as wild as the Death Note anime. Um, but I guess time will tell as to far as far as like how they'll animate the rest of mm-hmm. it. <laughs> okay yeah. yeah um we probably won't continue watching it so um <laughs> there's there's that but that's just because um that's actually just because like this this season is fucking packed actually it is pretty packed yeah speaking of let's uh next is uh, 86 second season i haven't started watching it yet but i will watch it um so we'll mm-hmm. talk about that at the end of the season uh talk mm-hmm. to ope the destiny which is um boy how <laughs> the- okay, okay so we watched one episode right we watched one episode, and yeah. so much happens in one episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you know, like, the plot of listeners where, like, um, <laughs> like music is dead because of aliens, uh-huh. and so uh-huh. the people who can uh-huh. play music fight the aliens? It's yes. like that, kind of beat for beat, but good, right? It the- takes this interesting concept and actually engages with it. Yes. As opposed well, to listeners, which didn't well, really. <laughs> it also just has a, an engaging first episode where listeners yes. really didn't. Like, listeners yes. kind of just hammers you over the head over and over again with the same yep. shit that's happening. It's, yep. like, paced so yep. poorly. It feels yep. agonizing to mm-hmm. watch. Mm-hmm. But Talk to Destiny's one, ridiculously entertaining. <laughs> um, 
and two has ridiculously good production value. Um, I oh gosh, I keep looking up which studio did this, and I don't remember. Um, it's like it's like Bones or Mappa. Um, let me just look that up real quick. Uh, uh -huh. it's Madhouse and Mappa. That's right. It's a it's a joint production between Madhouse uh -huh. and Mappa. It's um, it looks incredible. This show looks really good. Yes. Um, I it uh, <laughs> it looks stunning, and the. <laughs> I would say the music is pretty good. I'm more of a fan of when they go with their original scores than when they freaking play the freaking Moonlight Sonata for the freaking millionth time. It was so a, funny to watch them play a, Moonlight Sonata. A dramatic night scene battle. It's like, come the frig on! <laughs> Pick something else! It's not that I hate Moonlight Sonata, but the way that people use it is so overly cliche, I'd say. But... um. It was fine, I guess, and uh, but the anime itself, at least based on the first episode, uh, hopefully they maintain a similar quality. I don't expect them to go super crazy like with the with the first episode, but um, if they maintain a certain level of quality and pacing like they did with the first episode, then it'll be a really stellar anime. Um. So yeah, honestly, like um, the action sequences are. Just a treat for the eyeballs. <laughs> it's like it's like candy for the eyeballs. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but one thing I will say about Taktopi Destiny, and obviously we will continue watching it, so I won't talk about this too much. But like, I love that they have this like American setting, like this mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic American setting, and mm -hmm. what they've absorbed about America is um, there are diners and um, <laughs> yeah. boxy <Yes>. cars. <laughs> and uh -huh. deserts that's yes. it that's america and i'm like you know what fucking fine send it that's Full fine send. that's fine <laughs> like it's like the kind of thing where um it would be offensive if this was like um if the power dynamics between like the west and japan were reversed but because mm -hmm. they're not it's fucking hilarious yeah i'm down it's fine <laughs> yeah totally absolutely all right let's talk about miruko chan Mie oh okay so <laughs> This is um a rather unique blend of etchy horror but um also like slice of life comedy. Um and I'm not really sure how I feel about it. <laughs> I think uh, I know how I feel about it. Okay. Well, I'll I'll go over the 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 premise and we can talk about our feelings, but essentially it's about uh this girl uh Mieru Gocha. <laughs> <laughs> the cent the central gag is that she can see ghosts. Um, yes, <laughs> and she's afraid that if they if they know that she can see them, they'll kill her or eat her or whatever, do some terrible things. But um, the cent the sort of gag in the title is that her name is Mieru. Yes, which is like <laughs> the character for to see, and yes. then Ko, which is yes. a sort of suffix you can add to any word to make it a name mm -hmm. for women for for women for women. Yeah, specifically yes. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, it <laughs> the reason I'm confused about it is like it takes a lot of time to be an edgy, right? It very explicitly shows like uh like a, like a teaser upskirt shot or like the bobs bouncing or whatever, like girls having skin chip and stuff like that. And then it like flips on over to the horror where you see something like gross or like a really you know scary ghost um and it just kind of like plays back and forth between these genres and i don't know mm -hmm. how well they blend together yeah. you know 
it's kind of like if you take like a little sampling of this, a little sampling of that, and and from three different plates, but they're all very separate things, and they they aren't made into necessarily one dish for me. At least that's mm-hmm. how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I think to me, uh, it feels more like a uh, just kind of a failure of, of adaptation. I sus- I have a suspicion that the manga is honestly just like better. Oh, um, okay. But because uh, I, I think horror in anime is, is very hard to do. Um, whereas mm. uh, obviously we've talked in the past about like Junji Ito, what makes Junji Ito so yeah. good on on yeah. paper yeah. and not so great for adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but honestly, like, um, what really sold the anime to me, um, not that I want to keep watching it. I think what really carried the anime, I guess I should say, um, was the delivery of the, the central voice actress. I think that was honestly oh, the best that's part. that's true. That's true. She the is animation, the best part, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The animation wasn't anything special, but the voice acting was, was very good. Like, it was very, very good, good. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't have a lot else to say about it, honestly. Yeah, um, me too. <laughs> it... Probably just isn't my thing in general, I would say. Yeah, I mean, if you sound kind of intrigued at the blend of etchy horror and comedy, then I would recommend at least checking out the first episode because it sounds like it would probably be more of this the first episode throughout the rest of the show. I don't know if it would actually sure, build into yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Saihate no Paladin, uh, or The Faraway Paladin, which is a, an isekai show, but actually it's good i think it's actually interesting like uh, um it has some interesting characters that you start with in the beginning whom i don't feel like are super like bland right I don't know, yep. tropes mm-hmm. i guess they they are they do have tropes don't get me wrong but they have their own spin on it which i like um yeah and they all inform the story and their influence on the main character in different ways, and I love that. Yeah, the thing that t- to me that I like about uh, the Faraway Paladin is that mm-hmm. it um it actually feels like a story, right? Like yeah. there is mm-hmm. very there's like real world building going on that mm-hmm. isn't just like to support whatever nonsense is is going on, right? Um, <laughs> there uh-huh. is a an in universe reason why uh, it's an isekai, um, like because uh, it is uh from the perspective of a child who is being raised by three undead, three different undead. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that setup is really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense that you would have um, the isekai protagonist just be like, uh, like, hey, this is like weird. Why is this happening? What is the world outside like, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of angle makes it more, it makes it feel more like... uh, there's a reason why it, it's an isekai and not just like a fantasy thing. Um, yeah. Not that I think it wouldn't work as just like a fantasy show, but like um, there are questions, right? And we we see it through the main character's eyeballs. And I think honestly, it probably uh, as an anime would work even if it wasn't an isekai, but I think it works a lot better as an isekai um, in the light novels probably, oh. right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I think it just, that just makes a lot of sense, right? It, I think- sure. Isekai is, like, a uniquely light novel-suited genre just because, like, it's mostly first-person anyway, so you're getting yeah. a lot of the perspective of, uh, of like, that. And it's a mm-hmm. lot easier to explain a fantasy world to you if if the character also doesn't know. Like, if the main character also That's doesn't know the true. perspective. That's true, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, 
I like that they decided to put real characters in the show. <laughs> Not like, cardboard cutouts that just kind of move the main character along. <laughs> right, like cardboard cutouts with big boobos on them. Like, like that, yeah. that, that, is, that is the greatest <laughs> sin to me about a lot of isekai, mm. which is that they just mm. refuse to put even the like smallest modicum of effort mm-hmm. into characters that are compelling in any way yes. whatsoever. Right? Yes. It's like the Sword mm-hmm. Art Online problem. Of, it was just like, these are all just like cardboard cutouts with boobas. <laughs> Please advocate Ugh. for for characters with fleshed out personalities and mm-hmm. backgrounds. But yeah, like I am legitimately intrigued in this show where the premise is literally just here's a child being raised by three different undead people who <laughs> obviously have like a lot of history together. And like that's great. They have relationships with each other, not with the main character, right? Yeah, that's um, true. Yes, they do have relationships outside of the main character. Like there is an entire world outside of the the main character, yes, which feels like vaguely cohesive, and I think that's honestly like the biggest problem with a lot of isekai is that you only get yeah. to see like the the stuff in front of you, mm-hmm. which is uh which means that a lot of times it's made backwards, right where it it's made so that um only the stuff that you're seeing gets made up on the spot or whatever, right? Yeah, like the world is basically made up for the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are stories that, of course, like kind of work in that direction in a way that's successful. But for the most part, if it's done not up to par, then you you, you see through the, the seams, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited to see where this goes. Um, yeah. Because I am very intrigued in... Um, Paladins in general, uh, like conceptually, but like just like where where they decide to go with it. If there's anything we can kind of like pull from it thematically, because it you know obviously the three mentor characters are already dead; they are undead creatures. So. Yeah, I would say the the first episode has been an interesting re- introduction to all three of the characters, um, mm-hmm. the three undead characters plus the main character, and so I'm interested in where they'll, I guess, push the story from here. Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Banished from the Heroes Party. I decided to live a quiet life in the countryside. Let's say that five times fast. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, this, I'm good. This, yeah. This is a, one of the most prominent um, uh, pieces in a growing subgenre of um, fantasy that is... Is it? Uh, so it's RPG fantasy, but not isekai fantasy, right? Because um, a lot of isekai... Fa- like, all isekai fantasy is RPG fantasy. More or less. Um, oh, okay. With with exceptions for stuff that we can sort of reverse classify right. as isekai, right? Sure. But all of the stuff that is operating in the kind of like web novel space is is basically RPG fantasy because that's what's what's big and popular. Um, right, right. But um, RPG fantasy is actually like a bigger category than isekai right, is, right. Um, because right. there's shows like this uh, mm-hmm. where it's not an isekai. There's also shows like. Um, is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's like kind of the same, um, where it's right. not actually an isekai, even though it's kind of structured sort of like one. Right. Um, but yeah, it, uh, this is about um, being banished from the hero's party, um, either because you uh, are... Um, usually it's either like you're underestimated or um, you're legitimately not being like that useful or um, whatever. But it's essentially... It's funny because it kind of fits in a very similar way to um, 
uh, Rising of the Shield Hero, the premise mm. of Rising of the Shield Hero, but it's mm-hmm. much less malicious, it feels like, a lot of the time. Um, mm. You still kind of get that vindictiveness, like that like um, that petty revenge sort of like, oh, the party was so much better when I was in it, right? Um, in this subgenre. But also, I think, to be fair, you also have a lot of stuff outside of that, um, and it doesn't feel as malicious as, as that. Uh, it doesn't feel as, like, no, ve- vengeance say- porn-y. Yeah, I think at least with this um first episode that we watched, it he definitely has some like feelings to sort out with the hero's party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um like lingering feelings, but I think it almost feels like he kind of thinks that it's better off without him. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. like uh, and like that's like the structure of the show is set up like that because he is essentially like a tutorial character that like doesn't really get any stronger right so like if yeah. you've ever played a uh final fantasy or not a final fantasy a fire emblem game um there's an archetype called um i think they're called jagan archetypes um but it's basically a a pre-promoted unit you get like a um like a paladin character right mm-hmm. but they have really bad growths so if you put too many resources into them you get a bad end game unit um, oh. But they're basically there to guide the rest of the party uh, up to snuff, right? So it's mm. like in um, when you're playing Awakening, right? You use Frederick to like weaken, weaken everybody. That's what and I was thinking. I was thinking just, of Frederick, yeah. yeah. It, that's the exact archetype. Except Frederick yeah. falls into a slightly different archetype, which is like a pre-promoted unit but actually has decent to good growth. So you can still use it in the end game. Those are more popular yeah, nowadays yeah. than like the straight Jagan archetypes. But like uh-huh. – um, sorry – not to get too into it, but like, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, he is a tutorial uh-huh. character basically. Like he starts yeah. at level like, I don't know if they ever explain this, but he starts, it basically starts like with like 30 levels. So he's yeah. like big beefy boy, but right, he's super as, overpowered as, in the beginning. Uh-huh. Right, exactly. But as the, the rest of the party grows and matures, they have much mm-hmm. better end game potential than he does. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of, I, I will say. I, we probably won't watch any more of this. We probably just won't have time. But like, yeah. I like that structure of a story because it takes RPG fantasy and kind of like does something interesting with uh, with the RPG fantasy element of it. It's just like this is just how the world is structured, right? It's a like people have levels and powers, right? Yeah. Um, and it actually does something with that premise, which I think is is cool. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a slow, it's a slow life, quote unquote. It's a slow fantasy. life uh, fantasy, so not an isekai, a fantasy. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but like basically, it is a, um, it is basically a uh, what, what's it called? A, a slice of life in in a lot of yeah, ways. yeah. I feel like a lot of uh, isekai try to go this slow life route, but mm-hmm. this is one that actually is just he's actually yeah, from this world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so um, there's Banish in the Heroes Party. I decided to live a quiet life in the countryside. Mm-hmm. If that interests you at all, I would highly recommend checking it out. Let's talk about My Senpai is Annoying, um, <laughs> which we probably will watch more of, I think. Um, it's cute. Uh, there's like one very specific trope that I like kind of take issue with, which is like <laughs> Japan loves this character archetype of yes. like a tiny, a tiny girl, like somebody who's probably like four or five. Or whatever, right? <laughs> like the size of an actual child, and they're like working adults who are like twenty four to twenty five, uh-huh. but they uh-huh. ha- but they're like I want to be seen as an adult, but they like like child meals and like childlike things, and it's like yeah, I mean, like 
You, you couldn't have just, like, ch- chosen one or the other? Like, have a child or just have no, yeah. a, a, an actual adult with adult tastes? Like, I don't... I'm also... Yeah, I'm also... I'm over uh, it. Uh, not a fan of this trope, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And they tend to be, like, the tsundere type of personality, too. It's just yeah. a lot. And, um, yeah, definitely she's someone who... I at, least, at the very least, she's not super, I guess, old. She just recently graduated school and this right, is like her exactly first she's like job, just so. entering the workforce yeah i'm i'm at least forgiving in that regard because she is in a transitory part of her life where she is trying to be an adult like a full mm-hmm. working adult and yeah yeah she, totally yeah like that that does make sense in that regard yeah. of like um trying to be more like an adult than you are to sort of compensate for the fact that you don't really feel like you belong as an adult right exactly yeah yeah. Um, um, but yeah, this is a romance-ish <laughs> it's, story. Yeah. Yes. Um, it, it's it's honestly pretty cute. It's basically just like an like a cute office romance. Um, and the uh, the male lead is a is a big boy who laughs very loudly, and I would die for him. The male lead is the best character in this show. Um, he's so good so far, at least. But he's straight like, up actually. Oh. <laughs> But we haven't. We actually haven't watched enough to um, uh, get to the grandpa, which I think will be your favorite oh, character, Renu. Okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I think I think you'll love you'll love grandpa. That's why I put the 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 tentative like so far. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there could always be more characters who are great. Yeah. <laughs> this is. It's also just this is a well produced show. It it. Oh yeah, um, definitely yeah. takes the the art style um, mm-hmm. and translates it pretty much perfectly. Mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no complaints whatsoever in that regard. It looks good. Yeah. Cool. Okay, let's talk about Irina, the vampire cosmonaut, which is um fucking wild because it's basically like uh you have an alternate universe um space race between um the West and uh the USSR, but <laughs> it focuses on the USSR and they're like, okay, we have to send a person to space. Mm-hmm. But that's dangerous. So what we're going to do is send a vampire to space. <laughs> and it's like, all right, all right, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> we have Why? to break this down. First of all, you acknowledge the fact that you know that this person is a vampire. <laughs> and you're fine with that. And second of all, you just want to send them to space? <laughs> Communist vampire goes to space. Uh-huh. If that sh- if that premise sounds fucking wild, I I promise you that it it, it I mean it's a, it's honestly like uh much chiller than its premise would would sort of lead you to believe. Um, mm-hmm. it feels more like a um, honestly it feels kind of like uh, uh a little understated, right? Like mm. it feels more like a a slow character drama than like anything else. Even though the premise is so fucking wild. <laughs> We're going to send vampires to the moon. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. uh, the director, uh, I hear, has some uh, eccentricities. And you okay. can very much tell because there's a scene where she eats, like, salmon roe on bread. And um, it's just a very involved sequence that you <laughs> watch. <laughs> where she, like, takes, like, one one egg and, like gingerly squishes it between her vampire teeth and it's just uh-huh. like why am i watching this uh-huh. this feels wrong <laughs> feels like i should be going to jail the director said i have an animation budget i can use <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he he just like did it by hand he was like give it to me <laughs> i'll do it myself <laughs> i'll do it <laughs> um 
<laughs> I don't really know how I feel about it otherwise. It might okay. be someone else's cup of tea. It might honestly have been my cup of tea, but I just, I don't know. I don't think I have time for it in my <laughs> life. I, I, a, I just took one look and went, huh, all right then. You don't have time for Salmon Row? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Sakugan briefly because, um, yeah, I mean, we're watching this. Because we're continuing, mo- this, yeah. This is what mm-hmm. we've watched the most of. Um, basically, it's like Gurren Lagan meets Made in Abyss. Um, a father-daughter team goes and tries to make it to the surface, but everyone lives in, you know, um, the mole land, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Oh, my yeah. God, this premise yeah. is so cool. Um mm-hmm. They live in uh, these, like, underground settlements um, that each have um, kind of, like, a culture attached to them. So, like, the main characters are from Pinyin, which is, like, um, this, like, China sort of... That, it doesn't even feel like a, like a Chinese-inspired thing. It, it feels like a Chinatown-inspired It place. does feel like a Chinatown, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, the architecture doesn't look like China. It looks like Chinatown. <laughs> Um, but then they go to like a place that's basically like Rome and they have all the sort of Italian stuff and like it's cool I mean um, the the world building is cool like everyone lives underground and there's like all these like weird big caverns Um, and it's very made in abyssy because you're just exploring all these like cool locales and there's clearly just I I don't know I love I love the premise of this being a like essentially a father-daughter road trip (laughs) <laughs> yeah um but yeah the animation is like is really top tier here um they have a lot of fun with it it's super vibrant and energetic and dynamic and full of life um and they even have like these like really kind of emotionally intense scenes where um they put a lot of work into the facial expressions of the characters and how they kind of look and they like scrunch up their faces really really detailed and mm-hmm. it really like works to um to to sell the impact honestly i would mm-hmm. say yeah mm-hmm. so highly recommend sakugan if you're in for a good time at all like cool world cool robots uh, uh cool father daughter family road trip like it's got everything you need. <laughs> it's a pretty light watch. I mean, the the first episode is a bit heavy because of certain events, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then the, I guess it's more of like a action, no, more like an adventure comedy. It feels, kind of yeah, it feels like yeah. it, honestly, it feels like a a road trip, but like in a fantasy world. Yeah, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's talk about the Hake story, which um is Hake. a. It's done by uh, Studio Saru, which is uh, Masaki Yuasa's studio, and mm-hmm. I will watch anything that Masaki Yuasa ever puts out. This show <laughs> slaps. Um, yeah. So if you don't know what the Heika story is, it is um, essentially um, one like one of the sort of like uh, sto- like great stories um, of Japan, like one of the most well known stories um, historically. It is a story about the Heika clan and their like rise and fall, um, but it's primarily told through. Um, uh, through the uh, sort of like wandering minstrels that are biwa players, which is like um, mm-hmm. a, uh, a a stringed instrument in Japan, mm-hmm. um, and that's uh, something that is very immediately prominently recognizable to anybody who um, like has that sort of context. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's very famous, um, and I think I think they're being like. I, th- I think they must have been contracted by the NHK or something to, to do it. Oh. Um, but it's basically like a, a period piece, but with Masaki Yuasa kind of slapped in there. So like you have these like anachronistic 
music choices where like rock music is playing while like something happens in like you know uh the like ancient like ancient ancient japan mm-hmm. yeah um, this I, um, show bangs it seems like a really really cool story so far um the mm-hmm. fact that he's he he's taking it um something that's like a japanese epic i guess <laughs> and then, yeah pretty much yeah, uh, putting yeah. his own spin on it so i'm down <laughs> yeah so we'll we'll touch on that at the end of the season, uh, let's yeah. talk about the vampire dies in no time, which is a gag comedy um, that apparently started being serialized in uh, manga form in 2015, which feels honestly way too recent for just how old school this this comedy feels. It feels very it feels, old school. This is like this is like boomer comedy. Like it feels. Um, <laughs> it's not to say it isn't funny. It is. It's entertaining, but it feels. Um, it feels like I'm like 12 again and watching like you know um, like Bokeitsukomi comedy. Uh-huh. from from that era <laughs> yeah yeah i would i would tend to agree <laughs> um but it's yeah it's it's basically just old school like slapstick like bobo 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 bo type stuff yeah um, i mean if you like that kind a of little more era of stuff then this would be right up your alley it's just yeah, totally that a great it's brought into like it's being animated now <laughs> yeah which is honestly it, it looks pretty good too yeah mm-hmm all right, let's talk about Osama ranking, which is absolutely our our hit of the season to me. Uh, it was in my such opinion. a surprise. Um, um, it just kind of like we started it and it was like okay, but then it like got it became like more and more interesting very quickly. Yeah. Okay. So it it like opens um, with the the sort of premise, which is that um, the main character is a child who is meant to be a king. Um, mm-hmm. who's like the the son one of the sons of like the great king of this kingdom yes. who's like the greatest fighter who has ever lived yeah um, <laughs> but um this child is um he's deaf so he can't talk um and he can't mm-hmm. hear um so uh and it's being produced in um a uh, collaboration with the like Japanese like sign language association so mm-hmm. um all of the sign language that they do is uh is accurate um which mm-hmm. is honestly really cool but like that is it, very cool this show really creeps up on you because it starts with something that is very kind of silly and um, it feels like so uh, low stakes. It feels like you're watching a show made for children. Oh, definitely. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. It has that storybook-esque sort of aesthetic yes. and like a kind of a premise. And like it feels um, almost like, you know, like, oh, I'm, I, like, I'm an adult. Why, why would I be interested in this? But then it slowly sort of like pulls you in to yes. this like really gripping like character drama where yes. like um obviously like all of the the sort of um adults in in Boji's life the main character's name is Boji um mm-hmm. look down on him because mm-hmm. he's deaf right mm-hmm. um and the second prince is like really great at sword fighting and um he's like uh basically supposed to be um the uh he's like the front runner for to be to become the next king right um, everybody thinks that. And then at the end of the episode, there's like this this duel between them. And they really cranked the animation up to like <laughs> 25. Yes, yes. It looks amazing. It's so epic. Straight up. <laughs> I was so surprised because I it was like, okay, cool. Like it looks good. Like it, it it's yeah. been executed very well for, right. for what it is. Right. Um and then they're just like, oh, by the way, here's like, here's like a, a sick animation of uh, the of the main boy character just like dodging sword stroke after sword stroke, and you're like, wait, what the hell is going on here? This is so cool. 
what kind of show did this become? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I if you are like not super engaged in it in the first couple minutes, maybe even the first half of the episode, like that's totally okay. I would highly recommend you just keep watching it because it will, in my opinion, would, it will just pull yes, you in. Definitely watch until the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I uh, I was not expecting to like this show as much, but honestly, it might no. be one of my favorites of the season. Like, I want to definitely up so watch good. more. Yes, yes, yes. And it looks so unique too because of this oh, yeah. the storybook aesthetic. It yeah. is like this land where it, it, it's like I love it because it's just this like setting where the king is inexplicably large. He's like the size of a giant and nobody questions it. Everybody else is normal sized, but he's just big. But it feels like it works because like it's a fantasy, right? Yeah, it's like this yeah. fantasy kingdom, uh-huh. this storybook fantasy kingdom, like Jack mm-hmm. and the Beanstalk sort of feeling. It's mm-hmm. great. Osama ranking is absolutely great. I cannot wait to watch more of it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk mm-hmm. about Demon Slayer Mugen Train for TV, which is Demon Slayer uh-huh. It's beautiful. Uh-huh. I think the first episode is a little slow if you've already seen the movie. The first episode is made up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, okay, so the first episode basically doesn't... Um, the, all of the contents of the first episode do not exist in, in the original um, story and the original manga. But to be fair, there's a lot of stuff that, like, you know... Um, uh, UFO table kind of takes liberties with and is willing to like you know put their own spin on and and produce stuff. I think to me the first episode I can't I have a it's hard for me to watch the first episode because I've already just seen the movie. Um, me too. Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see what somebody who's never seen the movie feels about it because I feel like it might honestly be okay if you've never seen the movie. Yeah, so um, that's that's my yeah. opinion of this too is that if you've already watched the movie and you loved it um, and you didn't feel like it was particularly lacking in any way in terms of content or you didn't feel like the pacing was too fast and all of that, then I would say that watching this kind of feels like they took the movie and they stretched and padded it out like crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. And... For and that and that's essentially how I feel about this anime adaptation. Even though it is gorgeous, uh, it just feels like like they stretched out the movie. Um, because I really like the pacing of the movie. I don't feel like it was I was missing anything in particular. But if you haven't experienced the movie and you like watching, you know, anime and you like watching episodic releases, I would say that this is probably going to be a really good watch for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you like Demon Slayer, of course. Um. Yeah, because that's how it's paced out. Is is that they made it into serialized anime pacing versus uh yeah the, yeah I the mean tight knit pacing of a movie. It is it is still Demon Slayer. It is still Demon Slayer made by UFO Table. Um, it is yes. going to be mm-hmm. good. Yeah. I think um, yeah, it's sort of one of those one or the other situations because I think if yeah. you watch both, you're gonna feel a little bit offset because I think. The pacing of the movie was was good. Yeah, I think um, so too. Mm-hmm. But I can see how uh, being in a movie format might feel very limiting. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's kind of surprising to me that they were allowed to just make the movie but a show. That's what I was thinking. Like when they first announced that, you know, the next season or whatever, I had assumed that they would just continue with the story after the movie. But uh, no, they got permission to basically make the movie into a season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say 
for me as having watched and enjoyed the movie i would need a lot more time like like to separate between having watched the movie and watching this anime season um for me this is like i'm not, i don't i'm not interested in watching this like at all um but if you were to say like you know like a year or two down the line would I watch it? Sure, why not? Because then enough time would have passed that I can yeah, yeah. separate the two more easily. The movie was really good, though. Um, it, yeah, the movie was really it, good. Like, honestly, 90% of the problems that I have watching the first episode of this is just how much the movie was present in my brain. Like, I think, yes, I think you're exactly. right. I think, if you, I think if you gave it time, uh, I mm-hmm. would enjoy this just as much. Right. Yeah. It need, um, uh, yeah. I'd say a moviegoer needs more time. But if mm-hmm. you haven't watched the movie... You you probably will enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell me about Sakakumada no Sotokawa wa Yoru because, uh... <laughs> please. No, please, please. No, no context. Just tell me. Okay, 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 okay. So my context for starting to watch this was someone commented gay exorcists. And I was like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> so oh like, my okay, God. Well, I'll watch like the first episode because I'm eating dinner. I don't really have anything to do, anything to watch. And so <laughs> the first episode <laughs> is there is just so, so, so much of the homosexuality and I didn't really... <laughs> I was laughing because it was so over the top ridiculous. <laughs> but basically, there's this uh guy who works at a bookstore and he runs into this dude who like has exorcism powers and this exorcist really fixates on bookstore guy. Uh he, bookstore guy's name is Mikado. Um okay. for some reason, he basically comes up right up to the guy and says like you're my destiny. And <laughs> And uh, Mikado, since he was very young, could basically see or sense um, ghosts and spirits in his vicinity, right? And they always Mm -hmm. freaked him out. And so as an adult, he's like a very cowardly dude because he sees all these scary things, but he doesn't know what to do about it. Here comes along Exorcist Guy. He knows exactly what to do about it because it's his, you know... It's how he gets by with his living, but he fixates on Mikado because basically if they were to bond together, um, it would enhance the exorcist's powers enough to basically dispel the spirits mm-hmm. um, more more easily. Um, but the thing is, is that when they bond together, oh no, like their psychic connection, they very explicitly say that it get, that it is an erotic connection. Oh so my Mikado god. So Mikado is having <laughs> like erotic feelings while they're no. con- like, psychically connected. <laughs> what? <so> funny. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um and uh yeah, and so I would say after the first episode they toned the gay down like a ton. Okay, right? All right, they all took right, a they take a huge back step. It's still it's still there, right? But it's not as big a part of the show. Uh-huh. Episode one is definitely they put it all in there. <laughs> so um yeah, uh it actually um I would say like we're um I'm, I'm I've been keeping up with it, so I'm like around okay. episode yeah, six yeah. or seven or something like that. Is it a full length show? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's a good question. Is it uh, is it like a 20, 24 episode or a 24 minute uh, episode or is it like a five minute Yeah, it's a 24 episode? minute episode. Okay. But right, I don't right. know how many episodes there are in this season. 12. Okay. It's a 12 episode season. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I would say that since I'm at roughly the halfway point, it's actually starting to get interesting at the halfway point. <laughs> okay. All before, right, all right, all right, all right. Before that, it was like kind of like set up, right? So you start to learn that Exorcist guy is really like a possessive, jealous dude over Mikado. And you're and all of the other characters in the show are like, yo, Mikado, you gotta get away from this guy. He's kind of bad news. But Mikado's stupid. And <laughs> he keeps going around with this guy. And uh they the other characters basically tell him you need to get away from this guy because he's essentially attached the psychic equivalent of a dog leash to you like you are bro you are his pet you are his possession and that's how he treats oh. you and but mikado just keeps like he's like i want to know more about this guy you know yeah, okay <laughs> i don't want to save him <laughs> All right, all right. That's how you know it's a yaoi. Right, so that's like the first half, I'd say, of the show is that learning about that dynamic and also learning about that there's um, something going around where people are being cursed and they're ending up dead and there's someone, uh, there's like a witch going around who is uh, apparently responsible for these curses, but then you find out that she's a high school girl um, who has her own problems. Um, And then... Uh, I would say the latest episodes were interesting because you learn about Mikado's mom and she is implied to have the power to, unbeknownst to her, um, to dispel or ward off curses and ghosts. Okay. And But the problem is that it only um, extends to herself and maybe one other person, right? Um, and so she ends up, um, they go into uh, like a story about her past where she meets Mikado's dad he is apparently implied to be a person who attracts these kinds of things. Um, but then when they have Mikado, she doesn't have enough power to basically ward off these things for both of them. And so the dad d- decides that he's going to leave so that she can protect their son and he doesn't cause trouble for them. Um, and then it implies at the very end of the episode that he's like the big bad antagonist of the whole show. He's the one that's causing all these okay. curses that's happening around the city and doing a lot of bad stuff. And then in the next episode after that, they get into the exorcist's backstory and why he's kind of messed up and possessive. And it turns mm-hmm. out that he is um, at he was at the heart of a cult. And so okay. his mom <laughs> basically built this cult following around her son because he had exorcist powers. He could basically make people, quote unquote, feel better by expelling their whatever's going on with them. Um, and as a result, because she built up this whole religion around him, he was regarded as trying to, they needed to keep him pure. And so they would basically abstain him from eating meat, interacting with outside world. He, they kept him in what looks like a padded insane asylum room for like his entire childhood. And, uh... They would talk a lot about the importance of destiny and stuff like that. And so that's why he's obsessed with destiny. And he ends up um, afterward being really attached to this um, cop who um, helps save him from this cult, essentially. But who's also like an absolute skeptic. He doesn't believe in any of this cursed supernatural nonsense. But that's why the exorcist likes this guy is because he was at the heart of a cult where everyone believed so strongly in his powers that it was it was crazy and it made his life miserable. Um, and so, uh, that's where I'm at with this show. (laughs) I don't know where it's going to go. I think they'll probably, 
make the relationship between Mikado and this exorcist so freaking toxic that it'll make me crazy. Oh um, no. Oh god. And, and I don't know like how gay it will become. I was like, do, you, do you fancy a return to the nineties yaoi scene? And that's kind of how it feels, right? Like even the ending has like all these shots of them being like close to each other, you know, in that way of like the nineties shonen eye yaoi stuff, but like I don't know if it'll actually be <laughs> yeah, or anything like that, or if it's just like the aesthetic. <laughs> Jesus, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's based on a manga, and I, I kind okay. of have that that same feeling uh, as like uh, you had with the the etchy horror comedy <laughs> mm-hmm, show, mm-hmm. which is that I think I get this feeling that the manga is probably a better format to experience the series and than the anime. Um, but I don't, I haven't you know, actually read it, so I don't know, but mm-hmm. uh, it is serialized in a yaoi manga magazine. I, of so. course, obviously. So I guess one would presume that maybe there is actual <laughs> men falling in love or, like, having I relations. I mean, surely, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, prob- there's probably some, some sex going on. <laughs> but, yeah, if you, if you want, like... <laughs> If you want to laugh at, at that era of Yaoi, I would say watch the first episode and then you can decide what oh you want Oh my god. <laughs> but it does take a step back as, as to everything after the first episode. So. Jesus Christ. It's <laughs> so funny. All right. Well, uh, all right then. Cool. Um, yeah. that, did, that did actually just remind me that there is uh, one more show that I watched, um, which was oh. I watched one episode of Gambare Doki-chan, which is okay. a five-minute uh, short form about... Uh, a uh, about a office lady and the bland ass man that she's in love with and all of the okay. other sexy ladies that want to bone him. Um, oh, <laughs> this is basically um, just an excuse to have like cute office ladies in in etchy poses and okay, like straight up, like that's just what it is. Um, it is okay. based on a um, series of drawings slash sort of a web manga by um an artist who uh i don't remember the name of right now off the top of my head i'll link them in the the description but um yeah it's been it's honestly like a long-running sort of like short web manga sort of thing um that people i guess got uh attached to enough that that it was eventually made into like a short form anime and the anime is basically just the manga which is basically just drawings of sexy office ladies like it really (laughs) that's all it is right it is 100 percent an unabashed excuse to draw sexy office lady anime characters in etchy poses and like if that's your cup of tea absolutely 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 um (laughs) if you are looking for any other kind of substance other than like you know um (laughs) sort of uh very mild and bland um romance triangle stuff then you're not gonna Uh find anything really Uh There you go. There's my my quick review of Gambare Doki-chan. Uh-huh. Why don't we wrap up? Sure. <laughs> okay. Who are you and where can we find you on the internet, I think? Hi, I'm Renu, also known as Swan. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. You can find me on Twitch and Twitter and Tumblr and Facebook, all that, at swan.drawn. I stream basically every Friday evening. I'm currently playing through Resident Evil 1 Remake. It was Ooh, part of like nice. a Halloween-type deal, but I didn't finish the game by Halloween, so we're just going to keep going until I finish it. Um, 
It very is nice. Very, very good. I'm really enjoying myself. Uh, Gucci, my Gucci, time with Gucci. Ian. Yeah. All mm-hmm. right, cool. Uh, what about you? Uh, you can find me all the places at Literal Soup. Uh, you know what I do. I I do stuff um, and things. Um, I have been trying to find a new streaming schedule that works with my current being a human being that works a job <laughs> schedule. But yes. um, that's always difficult. So I yes. think I think I might start streaming on Wednesday mornings now. Oh, which is interesting. Um, that is interesting. But yeah, uh, I'm trying to find a more regular sort of schedule. I think like probably Monday night, um, except not this Monday night for specific reasons. Anyway, doesn't matter. Mm. Um, you can find me all places at Literal Soup. Um, I will be streaming video games and tweeting undoubtedly. So <laughs> there you go. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we wrap up? Our opening is by Scott Two Network, and our ending is by Takamakata. And the patrons we are thanking this week are Evan Williams, back by Mirror Test, Claire Frostfalls, Shondao, Sherbell, uh, Undead Uncanny, and Dylan Blitz. Thank you so much for your support. Thank as you. Always. <laughs> All right. Mm. I think on that note we will see you next time. See you next. またしたね。